What's up, everyone? It's your boy Cam, back with another exciting show. On today's episode, we have Yahaya Barora. Yahaya is an author, businessman, and owner of his own publishing company, Tapestry House Publishing. We sat down to talk about his novel, which is a three-book series titled Struggles of a Dreamer, The Battle Between a Dream and a Tradition, that has sold over 41,000 copies. Let's dive into the conversation. I have to say, man, thanks for coming on the podcast today. It is my pleasure. My thanks, absolute man. pleasure. <laughs> so we're just going to dive right in, man. So I want to know um, what the first question I'm going to ask you is, um, give us a little bit more background about yourself. Okay. Now, in terms of a background about myself, uh, Struggles of a Dreamer is my first book. And how I came about to write the book started off you know, um, and more of a longer version of the answer here. So my family and I, we emigrated from Nigeria in 2001, you know, um, with my mom, my dad, and my siblings. And it was something that my parents have had as a long, um, long lifelong dream to be able to make a new life elsewhere other than Nigeria for their kids mm-hmm. and everything else. And, you know, a lot of parents... The immigrants, for example, they say they pack one suitcase full of clothes and they pack another suitcase full of dreams. <laughs> and oftentimes those dreams are dreams that they have for their kids. And those kids may not necessarily agree with those dreams, but it's the dreams that they're going to be given anyways. You know what I'm saying? Yes, definitely. And so my story just kind of started off along that line. And to fast forward and how it connects to me being a writer and novelist and entrepreneur it was actually in 2009 that I decided that I wanted to write a book as a challenge, a way to inspire 1 million people with the courage to want to take a chance on themselves, to, you know, risk everything, mm-hmm. to, uh, what, like, to risk comfort, to risk security, and being able to risk achieving their dream, the fullest sense of happiness, whatever that happens to be. And... At the time, I didn't really know what to write about. And so my dad and I, being the first person to know I was writing, my dad came to my room and was like, Yahaya, you must go to school. I interpreted what he said to mean, I don't support you in the writing of a book. So at the time, I was in the second year at York University. So I ended up, you know, I became upset and resentful. Mm-hmm. And I wrote the book in secret over the course of a year while I went to York University, you know, kept going to school and graduated. And it was from there that I came up with the storyline within my book, Struggles of a Dreamer, The Battle Between a Dream and Tradition. And that really set me off on a course as an entrepreneur, as a novelist, as somebody who's living out the truest essence of his dream. And it's by no means perfect. I don't want to live a perfect life. I, I want to live an imperfect life, a life that has great potential and improving. It's not always, um, what's it called, uh, constant, it's improving. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're green and growing. So, and that led me to write my book and that set me off on that journey. And yeah, like, and a little bit about what my book is about. It's a novel. It's titled Struggles of a Dreamer, The Battle Between a Dream and Tradition. It is about a character who is supposed to become a farmer like everyone else, generation past. But instead of going for tradition, he takes a chance on himself to go after a recurring dream that he has. 
Hence the battle between a dream and tradition, what we want to do versus what we are required to do and maintaining a fine balance between the comfort and the discomfort uh, involved uh, between the two. Hence that misunderstanding with my dad and that misunderstanding that comes about from immigrant kids and their parents and any parents for that matter. Because at the end yes. of the day, parents want better for their kids. And there's often that, that clash because there's no agreement between the two. That that is so true. You, know, they, you always hear that saying, the next generation, you want to be better than the last one, right? So I, I love how you put that, Yahaya. So I, another question I have is, you know, regardless of what profession people are in, it's very common to hear that many of them aspire to write a book. However, right. so, so few people actually achieve this goal. As you have not only successfully written one of the books, but are about to release your third novel, what advice can you give my listeners about the process you followed by becoming a prolific writer? Um, that's a great question, and I appreciate you asking it because I think it's a very important question. A lot of people write a, uh, sh- uh, want to write a book, and I really strongly believe that a lot of people should write a book because, like they say, the riches... Um, places on this earth are not the banks or the stock exchange or the coffers of, you know, uh, treasurers and whatnot, or people who keep gold, but it's in the graveyard. And the best way to really share your gift, in my opinion, is through writing and writing a book. And in writing a book, a person can actually be absolutely intimate in the writing process. And that's assuming the person doesn't use a ghostwriter, right? But... (laughs) My point is this, you know, to write a book and in terms of what advice I can share, I don't want to share any advice per se. I want to share suggestions and lessons Mm -hmm. that I've learned. And like they say, tell me where I'm going to die so I don't go there. So I will sum it up as best as I can. Like when I first started writing my book, I did not go with a traditional publisher. So I'm not very experienced in terms of, you know, going the traditional publisher way as in getting a literary agent and that agent finds you a publisher like Random House, Vintage, or Simon & Schuster, or any other person like HarperCollins. But what I did, I started my own brand, Tapestry House Publishing. And the way I went about doing that, after the completion of my book, I knew that I wanted to become a, uh, I wanted to become a great businessman like, amongst the multitude of great business people out there in this world that I look up to on Forbes, uh, you know, or like Bloomberg billionaire index or whatever. And the best way to do that, I find, is to own your work, is to own your business, and to own, if preferably, 100% of your equity in your business. And that was, for me, a way to get started doing that, my dream, you know, to become a successful entrepreneur. Uh, And in doing so, I needed to start small. So I started, uh, I worked as a security guard for about eight months to raise the money that I needed to pay the people I had hired to work on my book, such as a cover designer, editor, layout, you know, um, uh, what's it called, typesetting person. And also I had the book printed outsourced as well in Montreal, but by Heidi Lawrence and Associates. So, but that was one aspect in terms of raising the money, working as a security guard. And I also did crowdfunding, not with Kickstarter or any of the platform because at the time they didn't exist, but yes, I did crowdfunding. I didn't even know I was doing crowdfunding, uh, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. I just created a form and I listed 
yeah, you know, I'm just trying to uh, publish. I'm just trying to pay for my editor. Uh, that's, I think at the time it was like 2,800 left, 2,800 dollars that I had left to pay off my editor. So I needed help to do it faster. Yes. So I decided to offer the first edition of my book. And as a way to thank the people for pledging to my cause, I acknowledge them in the book. If you look in my, like, like for those who have my book or who are going to get my book, when you look in a page, in the beginning pages, the page uh, XI, page yeah. uh, 11, you'll see yes. the individuals who make the book possible and on the next page as well. So it was something that I offered them the opportunity to get their book name acknowledged in the book. And then like now the book has we've printed over 50,000 copies and they're all over the world, starting from Toronto. And we've sold over 40,000 copies. So their name is really getting out there as philanthropists who have helped with the project. And the book came out in 2011. I sold door to door for about eight months. I mean, sorry, for about three years, rather. I knocked on about 27,000 doors in Toronto selling my book just to get started. And doing that, obviously, I wasn't very good at selling at the start. So my ratio is really all messed up, my sales ratio. So I had to knock on like maybe a hundred doors to sell three copies or maybe 200 doors. But then as I got better and better, I went from knocking, selling three copies in about four to five hours to selling three, uh, 30 copies in the same period or less. So it's just one of those things. That was my way of doing it. So I guess you could say I crafted, I found my own blue ocean in a way that I wasn't stuck in a multitude of authors who are clamoring for attention, I went out and made my own market. Yes, it took a lot of work, but (laughs) it took a lot of work. And then I started to get into chapters in the Go bookstores. I've done over 800, sorry, I've done just under 800 events with the stores. I believe it's about 755 events, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm sure it's a lot more. It's just an estimate. I've done a lot of events. I've spoken to over 100,000 people and, you know, in my attempt to sell my book and through our audience that I've spoken with and I've sold over 40,000 copies of my novel and my first and my second book. Now, the reason why I'm sharing all of this and the reason why I'm giving you a long answer is to give you a, yes. a perspective as to where I'm coming from and to, to give you a context through which I can offer this suggestions. The suggestion number one, you got to believe in yourself. Honestly, that's like the number one thing. If you, when you believe in yourself, everything just kind of rallies around you and everything just falls into place. And when you believe in yourself, the confidence to keep believing in yourself just keeps on coming because when you believe in yourself, you achieve results. And when you achieve results, you believe in yourself even more and you have more confidence. And number two, you got to know what you're trying to achieve and you got to know, you got to believe that it's possible. Like I decided I'm going to sell 1 million copies of my book and in doing so inspire 1 million people. Now I know I can sell 400 million copies of my book because I've already proven to myself that I can sell 40,000. And I chose a million because I've always heard, think big, think big, think big. So I figured, okay, I'll think big. I'll just listen so everybody can, you know. Anyway, so I, I decided my confidence level is far surpassing a million people and a million copies. 
Because on average, people mm-hmm. will share your book with at least one other person. Whether or not that person reads your book, they know about your book. And in the case of Struggles of a Dreamer, the battle between a dream and tradition, it's a kind of book that when you hear about it, you actually want to check it out. Struggles of a Dreamer. Wow. Okay. I'm a dreamer. And inevitably, being a dreamer comes with struggles. And people want to are inquisitive. So anyways, and the number three suggestion is just... Um, what's it called, you know, and having, knowing exactly what you want to achieve and believing that it's possible, you have to take action. You have to take action because when you don't take action, nothing happens. When you take action on a small aspect, that aspect grows and you can take three actions and then four actions. Before you know it, your actions are compounding and one little push-ups become 20 push-ups because one push-up is easy. (laughs) Now 20 push-ups is easier because you become a it becomes habit and you, you're stronger enough to be able to do 20 push-ups. And before you know it, you're, you're doing 50 push-ups. I'm saying all this because that's how much I could do. I haven't been able to push past 60 push-ups yet. But that's a story for a different <laughs> day. But my point is this. Um, yeah, just take action. And the next thing, have be grateful, honestly. Just be grateful. Count mm-hmm. your blessings, man. Because when you remember where you started from, you realize how great you're doing. And in overlooking where you started from and you forget that, you start to become ungrateful and you start to compare yourself to other people. And that brings me to the next Mm. point. Never compare yourself to other people and their results because everybody is running their own race. It's not a race. It's a destination. Everybody is walking their own path. I needed to say everybody is running their own race because that's what we're used to hearing. It's not a race. It's a journey. Yeah. You know, success is a journey. Yeah. You can have the Lamborghini today, but if you don't have a story as to how you got the Lamborghini, it's just a Lamborghini. But if you have a Lamborghini, <laughs> the Lamborghini becomes a trophy, a testament for your hard work. That, that yes. makes it separate from just a Lamborghini that everybody else has, that a lottery winner has, you know? And yeah. the next thing is, I believe in God, to be honest. Me, that's my thing. And I'm not, mm-hmm. not going to hold back in being able to say all the glory belongs to him because without him, I wouldn't be able to have the success that I have. You know, I'm not yet a millionaire yet, but I'm close. I'm absolutely close because I know I, I have the plans to be it. I know that everything that I've been, that's been happening to me the past few uh, weeks has been bringing me very, yes. very close to that and closer and closer. So it's like, you know, all things are possible through God and all things aside, everything considered, you got to proceed. You have to persevere. You have to know what you want to achieve and you got to be grateful and focus on your own race because all other things is just a, just a distraction. But through this, and all that- things fall into place. Amen, brother. Now, I'm with you on that one as well. All mm-hmm. things, you know, come from the great, from the great and great of God, right? Yeah. So that's amazing, man. I have to say, you know, you are touching a lot of people because actually the other day I was out and a man actually looked over and he saw, the, you saw your book that I was reading I, and he, apparently he he met you in a, a shop in a, in a Indigo a little while back. Man. So I have to say, you're really touching the people of Toronto here nice. with this great book. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. No problem. No problem. So 
you know, the book has so many life lessons, man. And, you know, one, one lesson that really stuck out to me was uh, one of the main characters before on his journey to go back home, um, the elderly wise chief told him, you know, everything's, um, life is the nature of the thoughts he adopts as his own. And I want you just to, um, I guess, elaborate a little bit is how important it is to have those positive thoughts um, in your head. I mean, I'm sure you might have had some positive thoughts or you preached some stuff to yourself while you were in on this journey or while you're connecting with different people. Like, what what would you say about positive um, positive thinking? Positive thinking is absolutely important. It's everything because yeah. what that does, in my opinion, and thank you for reading my book, by the way. But yeah, like oh, no worries, man. Like the most important thing about positive thinking is it really gets you. It um, it helps you to manage your what's it called? It helps you to stay level-headed. And yes. when you're thinking positive, um, everything just kind of flow into place for you. And as you're thinking positive, you remain positive and you attract all of the ideas and the, the opportunities that you need. And I don't know how to explain it, but the forces out there just brings them to you. It just happens. It just yeah. happens. Like, for example, you know, I was doing a book signing I've been doing a book signing with chapters for so long that, you know, it's, I've become so good at it that I want to <laughs> grow very, I just, I'm just ready to grow beyond where I am right now. And anyways, that aside, I was doing a book, I've been doing a book signing for so long. I started in 2013 and I started to be more and more consistent over the years until to date. I'm actually doing a book signing tomorrow in Cambridge uh, for two days. Nice. Uh, and you know March 11 and 12 but like 2019 but like my point is sharing all of this is and having been so consistent it requires me to maintain a positive attitude and in maintaining a positive attitude I'm able to become a magnet for opportunity I'm able to become a magnet for goodness and yes chapters approach me out of this to have my book listed with this story I don't, I'm, I'm an uh, independently published author. I don't have any uh, giant publisher behind me, but I'm able to be, to have access to the same opportunities that they have. You know, like little things like that, you know, it brings you the opportunity or like another thing, uh, the positive thinking, it was through that that I was able to attract the woman of my dreams and you know, not meaning mm. to brag, but it's like, she just literally walked into my life. She just came to me. Hey, that's wonderful. Yeah, man. so it's like positive thinking is very important because it keeps you level-headed. It keeps you yes. uh, focused and it keeps you, uh, it keeps the, your goal in, your, in the forefront of your mind. And when you, when you know it constantly through positive thinking, you recognize it when you see it. Hence, you're able to take advantage of it. And there's some level of autonomy that happens and that things just come to you because, you know, they come to you. Like this interview, for example, like you came to me, you know, it's like, but I needed to be doing what I was doing for you to see the opportunity for you to recognize me as somebody who could contribute, you know, greatly to the Journey of Excellence podcast, you know? 
and I and I appreciate that, bro. Because I have to say, I've seen you a couple of times. We know each other from going to York University right. a couple of years back. But I mean to say that I've even seen you since that time. As you said, being at chapters, being at Indigo. So I think it's even you're right when you're able to see, talk to someone, but actually see them in action. That's another thing, right. right? And I'm I'm just so happy to see what you're doing, and you're inspiring a lot of people. Man. Thank you. Thank you very much. What what I want to know is, you know, what when you talk about you go to these different um science stories or anything like do you take from the people that are buying your book or that you interact with? Like, how is a um a signing day for your hire? Like, what 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 goes into? Do you, I'm sure you meet a lot of different people. Yeah, I meet a lot of people. Uh, in terms of the way I do my book signings, it's nothing elegant to be honest. It's literally pure sales pure invitations, mm. you know, uh, over the years, I've been able to build up a following in that people come up to me now and buy my book because they've read my other books, my first book, and then my second book. And now my third book is coming out soon. But my second book, by the way, is called Tunde, A Man of Lost Ambition, just for the readers here. And uh, in terms of what the, how the signings work is, I would just, I have a book signing set up and then I take care of mm-hmm. my events and whatnot. And then I would stand in store and as people come by, I just invite them to hear about my book and then they'll hear about nice. it and then they'll buy it. Some people won't buy it. Other people will say no. Other people will say yes. But the experience that I have been able to realize as a result of having been um, able to do book signing events with chapters is the networking opportunities. I've been able to speak to a lot of schools just because I met a lot of teachers and principals. Like for example, uh, during the month of February, I spoke at, I've been invited to a multitude of schools. And one of them, for example, was uh, a principal who had spoken to their librarian to librarian to invite me to the, sp- the school. And I spoke to 150 mm-hmm. kids as a result of that, you know, just by being wow. in their school. And these kids kept coming up to me, oh, can we get autographs and whatnot? So it's like (laughs) a bunch of kids just clamoring and whatnot made me feel like a superstar. But that aside, all those things were only possible because I was consistent and doing my book signings. And part of the experience, I guess I'm going to share some of the lessons that I've learned is when somebody says no to you, it's not necessarily mean what you do or what you offer is not good. It just means they're not mm-hmm. interested in that moment in time because of that circumstance that is facing them, whether positive or not. Let's say I'm in a rush to go buy my wife something, or let's say I'm in a rush because I got to go use the washroom, or I'm having a bad day, so I'm going to ignore you. So it's to look at things as not just what they're presented, but looking at it in a way that positively moves you forward because you don't want to be negative, and that negativity you take it out and you're just projecting it on everybody else. And lo and behold, you start to have a bad day because of it. And that's the biggest lesson. Look at things in a way Mm -hmm. that moves you forward. So if somebody throws a rock in your way, if that rock is too great to get through, carve it up, sell Mm -hmm. it, and put that money in your bank account or buy yourself something nice, or carve it up, put it on display as a testament for your conquering it, or carve it up and just donate it to somebody or just blow it up and just, let the smithereen cloud your advance and so your next obstacle doesn't see you coming so it doesn't block your way i'm just being a storyteller here for a second but like my point is this you know 
life is going to present you obstacles anyway, so might as well just, just move on forward and be a bulldozer about it. I like that. And talking about obstacles, as we know, you said when you wrote your first book, you were in your second year at York University. For So let's say for someone who may have a busy schedule or whatever, because you achieved that, man. You were focused. Even though you were in university, you were still writing your book. So what advice can you give to people who may say, yeah, hi, yeah, I would love to write, but, you know, I have a nine to five. I have to go take up, take care of the kids after, you know, because you achieved that with any obstacle that may have came your way and that duration of time that you were in school, you completed a book on the side. Hmm. Uh, I would say the first question anybody, I would ask anybody who's in that situation to, to answer is, how bad do you want it? Honestly. <laughs> that's true. That's, it. that's true. If you can answer that question very honestly, then it's only a matter of time before you write your book. It doesn't matter what the mm. circumstance or challenge is facing you. Yes, we all have challenges. Yes, we all face opposition. And yes, we always uh, have reasons and circumstances that we tell us to not do what we really want to do. Hence, it kind of goes back to what my mission is all about, inspiring people to take their chance on pursuing that dream, that thing they like to see happen. It all boils down to time management. We all have 24 mm. hours in a day, but yet same people all over the world are doing great and amazing things. There are billionaires out there. There are millionaires out there. And in my case, there are thousandaires out there. I'm, a, I'm currently a thousandaire. But you know, you know how the <laughs> like story that. goes. But you know, yeah, I'm yeah. just going to go ahead and proclaim I'm a millionaire. There you go. I'm a millionaire. Hey, put it out right? there. There you are. There exactly. you go. <laughs> By God's grace. But anyways... Amen. The point is this, you know, everybody is busy, but yeah, but consider this: everybody has also done a last-minute essay. That's if true. you've had that is very five true. hours, I have. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, I am a king of last-minute essay. I would be beating myself <laughs> up saying I'm never doing last-minute essay again. Blah 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 blah. But the moment it's done, I'm right back at it again. Last minute again. Yep. But I always end up acing yep. it or maybe doing good to my surprise. Mm -hmm. But my point is this. Everybody is busy. So when you've done a last minute essay, writing a book is kind of like that. We are motivated to do it because we have to do it. Because there's something yep. to lose. When you don't have anything to lose, you don't, you don't have motivation to do it. Or if you don't have anything to gain, you don't have motivation to do it. And that brings me back to the question, how bad do you want it? If you want it bad enough, nothing uh -huh. else will come up as a reason not to do it. It's like when you decide you want to become, uh, sorry, you want to write a book, um, all you got to do is decide why you have to write a book. And then you will write a book. When you, but yep. the reason why people struggle with writing a book or achieving any other thing is because they're not clear on to, as to why they want to do it. And when you know, what you, like Stephen Sinek, I believe his name is, wrote the book, Start With Why. Uh -huh. It's because when you know why you have to do it, you do it successfully without, and you do it on time. I'll give you an example. I climbed Kilimanjaro in 2017 that was the that's the tallest freestanding Af mountain in africa is located in eastern africa it's a it's a old it's an old volcano uh that doesn't erupt anymore i think but 
Yes. Climbing the mountain is easy, but as you get up and up, fatigue starts to set in. You start to get tired. You start to ask, why the heck am I doing this? You can't breathe very well. <laughs> and you're like, dude, I could die. And all of a sudden, everybody starts telling you, oh, if you can't breathe, make sure you let people know because you cannot wake up when you sleep. You start to mm. consider all of that stuff. But consider this. Climbing the mountain because at the top of the mountain is the only source of water. Now, all of a sudden, perspective changed. Now, all of a sudden, it's not climbing because you're climbing. You're climbing because at the end of the journey is the water. That's the only source of water that you're going to feed your, your family with. That's the only source of water that you need to grow your farm. That's the only source of water that you need to thrive because if you don't, you're going to die. Figure out why yeah. you have to live and you, you'll survive. It's the same thing. So all of a sudden, climbing that mountain is no longer a problem. It's just a matter of one step at a time. One step at a time. It's like that saying they say, you know, how do you eat a, how do you eat an elephant is one bite at a time. So I I love that you use that you know analogy. And I said like in your book, it's it, you know you have so much life lessons. I mean, the fact where you know the uh, one of the main characters characters in the book um has to other stay in the village with his father to become a farmer or to go and pursue his dream. And I liked how you used to mount to how when you first started, it may sound easy, but then as you get a little higher, you get fatigue and fatigue. But right. as you said, it always goes back to that why, right? right? So that is wonderful, man. So one of my last questions I have for you, man, is what, what advice will you give people who are on their journey of excellence? Don't stop. Don't ever, nice. ever stop. Never stop. This guy, uh, Regina F. Lewis, Mr. Regina F. Lewis, somebody I respect tremendously. Unfortunately, he passed away in the 90s, you know, of a, um, of a sudden disease, terminal disease, uh, terminal il uh, illness. I forget exactly what it was, but it has to do with a brain tumor in his brain, I believe. You know, uh, it's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. he was, sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I've never met him, but it is unfortunate. But he's somebody that I look up to. You know, I met him. I mean, I met him through his book. I read his book a while mm -hmm. back and I watched his video. But he was one of the first African-American billionaires in America. And if you guys have heard of the company Beatrice Foods, they make milk and all that stuff. Whatever, bakery yes. and stuff. So he owned it. That was his company. He had at the nice. time the largest um, uh, corporate in history in corporation in corporate history in America. The largest leveraged buyout. Long story short, you guys can Google that. But this guy always says, "Keep going, no matter what. Keep yeah. going, no matter what." And it's so important that he had it carved into his gravestone. Keep going mm -hmm. no matter what and that speaks a, a lot of volume because it's so important it was so important to him he thought it's so important that he had to have it on his gravestone that is inspirational yes. he can be a source yes. of reminder to us living that keep going no matter what that's how important it is and that's why i say don't stop keep going no matter what it doesn't say don't quit or don't give up because give up, quit, that's still subconsciously telling people, okay, quit or give up. But when he says keep going no matter what, that speaks a lot yeah. of volume. 
perseverance is everything. Persistence is everything. When you keep going no matter what, persistence cannot be replaced by good looks, good voice. Uh, it cannot be replaced by connections. It cannot be replaced by intelligence. It cannot be replaced by anything. There are a lot of people who are not as intelligent as all the intel geniuses out there. But yet they're even more and more successful. In aggregate, I bet you their wealth can far away all of the multiplicity. Uh, I mean, all of the wealthy, I mean, all of the intelligent people out there. There's one thing to say about persistence, and it is this. Mm -hmm. Persistence is everything. And if you've got persistence, it's only a matter of time before you reach your destination. It may take an extra year or two years. I mean, heck. A couple of years, but my point is this: when you don't stop, you'll reach your destination. Life will just say, "God, I'm tired of you." There you go. Like simple example, quickly. I was trying to get into chapters my first time in 2011, and a manager's quote was, "I, I paraphrase. He's like, hi, I'm tired of your persistence. Let's let's set up a date.' And that's that. And I'm here." Over 700 books and events later, and over 40,000 copies sold, and over 200 and over 27,000 doors knocked on, and hundreds and thousands, like hundreds of, and a hundred thousand plus people spoken with, and you know here we are. And you met a guy on the bus randomly saying he like he read my book, he likes my book, or something like that. So that's yes, yeah, and that's that's pretty much what I gotta say, man. There's nothing to put it. There's no sugar coating. Find out why you have to succeed, and you'll succeed. There's no other magic pill about it, to be honest. Just go do it. Well, man, I love your enthusiasm. As I said, I know you're not stopping no time. So you say you have another book coming out, a different thing. So can you tell the people where they could follow you and stuff? Yeah, actually, I I am here on Anchor. I make a podcast every single day. I just kind of started out not long ago, but it's nothing too elegant. I just make a podcast every day capturing my imperfect life. It's like a, a nice a audio journey of my life as imperfect as it is. And uh, my goal is to make a podcast every single day for a year. And I'm on day 104 today. And you, you can search up on Anchor, wherever it is you guys listen to, hashtag... Mm -hmm my imperfect life no space or you can just google or you can just search up my name yahaya barua that's y-a-h-a-y-a space b-a-r-u-w-a and in terms of getting my book you can get it on strugglesofadreamer.com and of course i will make sure it is signed for you and i will make sure it's mailed to you so you can enjoy with a nice cup of cocoa or whatever you drink with <laughs> there you go and and that is so true, guys, because he signed my book. And I have to say, this was a pleasure to have, man. I can't wait to read your next one. Thank you, man. And Appreciate I just want to say thank you again for coming on the Journey of Excellence podcast. I know our listeners are going to love this one. You're awesome, man. I just wanted to say that. Uh, continue to do your work. And may God bless you greatly. I want to thank Yahaya for being on today's episode. If you want to learn more on Yahaya, and we can get a copy of his book, Struggles of a Dreamer, the battle between a dream and a tradition. Go check out his website, strugglesofadreamer.com. Also, make sure you follow me on my Instagram, which is at Cameron Bolden, and head over to my website, journeyofexcellence.co, to stay connected. 
Lastly, I want to thank you guys for joining me. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I look forward to continuing our journey next time. See you soon.